Hello and welcome to the Hospitality Insights podcast, In Focus. The impact that COVID-19 is having on the hospitality industry is palpable. There is no time more important than right now to come together, share information and discuss what this means for our future. Join us every week for a fresh episode of conversation, insight and analysis with contributions from senior people across the industry. We hope you enjoy listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Hospitality Insights in Focus, where we explore the stories and the people behind the news of hospitality investment, development, and operations. I'm Alexi Kajavi, Managing Director of Questix Hospitality, and I'm joined by my colleague, Catherine Doggerel, Editor-in-Chief of Hospitality Insights. Catherine, hello. Hello, Alexi. How are you? Well, uh, I'm I'm okay. Uh, it's it's been a another dismal week for uh, well for the uh, for the world, quite frankly. Um, but uh, not to bite off more than we can chew here. Uh, it's clearly not been a good time for anyone in in, in hospitality. Uh, it, it's incredible to think that we're only six seven weeks into this, at least from the European and, and U.S. perspective. And yet, in uh, in that short period of time, we've uh, We've seen balance sheets completely decimated, billions lost in market cap on the part of the operators and the REITs, uh, tens of thousands of jobs furloughed or or lost across the industry, uh, and and both leisure as well as corporate demand uh, has completely disappeared. So uh, so not bad, but uh, I guess on that cheerful note, uh, Catherine, you've you've written a bevy of, of really good articles uh, this week. Um, what are the stories that, that have caught your eye? Well, I can't believe it's six or seven weeks. It seems like this is moving in dog years. But, um, but yes, to continue that, everyone is howling at the moon. And, um, and there are some positive signs. Um, we heard from STR earlier today that density um, has gone again past 30% in China. So we can all wave our isn't 30% occupancy. Really fantastic flag. Um, but we did hear from Wazoo this week, um, and obviously everyone is focusing their attention on what's happening in China, even though it's a very different market to a lot of the markets in Europe. It's the only market we have which is recovering, so you can take all that with your various grains of salt. But um, but Wazoo coming up with some interesting things which have been replicated across the sector, which is um, growth in the in domestic. Obviously, there's no other option. But also, economy is coming together for them, and they're seeing a lot of growth in things like self check-in and robots delivering meals, which all plays into the health and safety aspects, which I think we'll see more of. And as we've heard, China has it under control mostly, but there have been some recurrences of the virus. And all this social distancing is something we like to be living with for a long time. So previously, lots of questions around whether good service was robots and never seeing another member of staff. But at the moment, I think if you want to stay somewhere, you don't want to be seeing anyone at all. Maybe just the person who comes to spray the screen that you're checking in with is about the level of how you want this. So wheel out those machines, people, seems to be the vote that we're getting. Um, elsewhere, still more bailouts. TUI got 1.8 billion from the German government, um, which is great. Something we'd like to see replicated in other places, please. People could pull their fingers out, I think. And, um, and what else we had? Mixed once again across Europe as far as refund policies and things go, which has been very intriguing. A lot of companies I heard are being advised not to give refunds in France now. You have 18 months to give a refund. You can offer a voucher before that. Um, so a lot of 
I think peevish consumers out there at the moment. Certainly, I'm hearing a lot of chat from people trying to endlessly be on calls to refund things, not getting any money back, and wondering where their cash is. At the end of this, consumers are going to want access to their cash because many of them do not have much of it. But at the end of the day, you also need the company to be there um, after the 18 months, however long you're proposing. So lots of balance, lots of intriguing balance at the moment in the market and lots of where will the buck lie, which seems to be key at the moment. So who's going to take the hit? No one seems eager to, to pony up for it as yet. I think that's a really interesting point. And I, I, I'm, I'm really tuned into to how the owners, operators, and even the, the lenders and landlords are, are all positioning and jockeying on, on their response to this crisis. Uh, and of course, then you have, uh, you know, uh, uh, with a crisis of this magnitude, you've got government, which is really the only one of scale, you know, to, to broadly ease the pain. However, uh, you know, the, so far they've only thrown gobs and gobs of money around without actually, uh, some would argue, having a plan. Um, but, you know, the, the, the owners and the operators have just gone through a brutal process of, you know, shutting their hotels furloughing or, or letting go of staff and and are now starting to have those conversations uh, with their lenders uh, and 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 lenders you know they don't want to be hotel hoteliers uh, particularly at a time when there's neither a customer nor a buyer uh, so so what is interesting in addition to that is the lease model which uh, has been oh so popular uh, with those risk averse institutionals uh, that were thinking that uh, that that was a safe a securitized asset uh, that was just going to produce uh, yields for 10, 20 years. Well, that's not looking very uh, secure anymore. Um, you know, so the, the 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 most popular French term these days is no longer "c'est la vie," but perhaps "force majeure," uh, mm -hmm. which is the common clause in you know lease, loan, construction, uh, development contracts. Uh, and and I would assume hotel tenants across Europe are pulling out those contracts and consulting their lawyers. Uh, and, and actually, in speaking, I spoke to a couple law firms this week, uh, and you know the 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 force majeure clause, according to to the law firms that I spoke to, is uh, is actually carved out from the obligation to pay rent. So contractually, apparently, a lot of these hotel tenants will still have to pay rent regardless of the situation we're in. But you know, regardless of, of what the contract says, the reality is a lot of hotel tenants just simply have no turnover and therefore have no ability to pay the rent. So, you know, most tenants are typically, you know, most tenant agreements are given a five to 10 day grace period. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see around the 15th of April to get some visibility on the size of this of this crisis. Um, but, you know, I think to your point, the the interconnectedness of the industry right now is uh, is probably one of the most interesting things is that you know on on the the negative side is that every part of the value chain is absolutely uh, you know under under duress in pain uh, but but the flip side of that is that you know there is a shared pain and so when nobody in that chain has the ability to pay uh, you start to hear these stories of you know putting the global economy on hold for a few months. Um, that is way above my intellectual pay grade to discuss how that would look uh, and the details of what that is. But, you know, this is the, probably a face yeah. you can do. For it. Yeah, just a, it's a big red button. I think that you just bang and we all stop. We don't have to go anywhere because we're already uh, ensconced in our homes. But, you know, the the systematic default 
the, this this is the systematic default that we said the, the GFC was. Um, that was just child's play compared to what we're at now. So I think I think it's it is going to be interesting to see how uh, all of the links within the hospitality sector uh, hopefully work together to get out of this crisis together. Um, and that will probably be becoming more visible uh, as the days go by. Yeah, well, I think what we've enjoyed before in difficult times, um, as far as lenders go, is pretend and extend. There was a lot of pretend and extend. Everything's fine. We're just going to extend your loan. Everything's fine. And I suspect we'll be seeing more of that. Obviously, as you say, you know, banks don't want to own, own hotels. They really don't. It's very complicated. But it's kind of interesting that since the whole sale and lease back thing kicked off and suddenly all these people from outside could invest in what is a, a marvellous sector in the good times, um, they thought they could do it without getting their hands dirty. And what they realise now is you cannot do it without getting your hands dirty, I'm afraid. And there is a lot of upside to investing in hotels. And this kind of thing points out that it, it can be very volatile. And that's fine. It just needs in the future to realise that. No one ever thought that you would have to model for a 0% occupancy. But now you do and you're shifting expectations in the sector. But that's not to say that it doesn't offer advantages going forward. Yeah, and look, I mean, you know, the big question is 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 when and 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 how, right? Uh, and I think you know the win is anyone's guess at this point. So so you know, not to 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 wade even close into those waters. But what what's more interesting, and, and you start to hear a little bit more of the long-term thinkers, uh, investors, and operators in the industry start to to discuss, you know, how does travel come back? And you know, we talked about a little bit about this last week. In fact, you've done some stories on it. Uh, you know, this past week as well. But, you know, first of all, I think travel in both leisure and corporate will return uh, over time. Uh, the, the classic customer journey of, of, of leisure travel, you know, being defined broadly as dream planned by ex experience. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, I've seen some research this week that indicates that people are, are holed up in their homes and flats uh, dreaming of holidays, which I suppose is, um, is not that shocking. But, it, but it, you know, I think it does show that you know, after months of, of self-isolation where the longest trip uh, will be, you know, from the couch to the bathroom and then if you're lucky uh, back again, that, you know, going down to Devon will no doubt feel like an intergalactic journey. Um, you know, so so that's going to come back. There's no question to it. Uh, but, you know, the, the shorter domestic trips by car will probably most certainly come back first. Uh, and therefore, you know, do, do large outbound markets like the UK, like Germany, um, like China, uh, do they benefit first? Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, the airlines will survive, uh, but for them, it's going to be who can make it make it through the next few months. Uh, but again, will long haul survive? Uh, yes, but it will probably take longer. Um, I think travel agents and travel advisors or tour operators, I mean, you mentioned TUI getting a large bailout. I, I think those advisors or those distributors they cater to quality over of service over price uh, could potentially benefit from a post-corona environment where you know people want to know you know how clean is this environment how safe is the environment how secure is it um, so I think you know I think destinations uh, will also need to adapt to the to, to the new world you know to destinations like Venice for example um, you know they may start to question that what is it do they want to be after getting a glimpse of how bad it was. You know, with all those tourists zipping around in 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 the, in the classic gondolas. So, 
you know, it, it, it will come back. Uh, it, it will just come back very different. And, you know, I think that is the question that we really, as an industry, should start to focus on because, you know, um, wellness is not no longer going to be an amenity. Uh, it is going to be a core component uh, that has to be assured and delivered all the way from, you know, the distributor to the operator and then lenders and, and, and landlords are going to have to underwrite that uh, and make that a part of their covenants and a part of those, you know, uh, assurances, if you will. So it is, uh, it, it is, it is painful to think about where we are now. But if there is a glimmer of hope, I, I think we're starting to see some of the long-term thinkers uh, think more strategically, more creatively about uh, how we get out of this and and what value we can start to deliver long-term. Well, as I've said before, you know, the corporate market will come back. There's a, an event that's just been announced that was postponed in China, that was postponed from March. It's now happening in May. Events are coming back. That will lead the way. There will be corporate travel. There's been lots of talk about it's going to be frowned upon to move big groups around the place. That can't be the case. We saw after 9-11 that people said you would never, everything would be video conferencing. It, you can't do that. Some meetings have to happen and your industries like ours thrive on that. So that will have to go ahead. Um, and, and it will be done in, in a special way and that's that's great, but it will come back. And leisure travel will come back. But casual travel, I think, well, you me 20 quid easy jet to go to Barcelona this weekend and stay in an Airbnb well that be that will be I suspect the cost there'll be no I'm just going to hop over there and do this there will be a lot more thinking about it and to go back to your point about Venice Venice needed an opportunity to kick back from all of this because it's being unbearable there yeah completely so this is obviously it's not good none of this is good but these are opportunities to think about okay completely clean slate it's only the only way is up how do we want that up to go I like that. If you're listening to this before the 18th of May, you're warmly invited to join us for InSync, a virtual event hosted by Questex Hospitality Group that commits to uniting senior leadership within the global hospitality sector. The event programme will look at the global hospitality investment landscape and how to plan for its future. Plus, we'll hear from the CEOs at Best Western, IHG and Radisson on the lessons they have learned and how they're adapting to the new normal, as well as a panel of investors discussing the opportunities post-outbreak and how the crisis has affected their strategies. To register, visit hospitalityinsights.com, click Attend an Event from the drop-down menu and select InSync. Rearrange your bookshelf background, block out your diary and we'll see you there. We're now going to get the latest data from Jonathan Langston, Chair of Hotstats and of the IHIF Advisory Board. What sales do you think can be trimmed in this scenario for hotels? Well, I think at the moment it's a batten down the hatches period um, until we really see how we're going to come through these um, stormy seas, to, to continue with that analogy. Um, I think thereafter it's going to be about starting to hoist the various parts of the sales as we get some trading tailwinds and uh, look at how revenues will pick up just as control starts to be manipulated over the COVID-19 outbreak. Um, again, I mean, I, I hear a lot of people talking about a lot of things. The truth is that at the moment, nobody really has the answers. Nobody can really see how far through this we're um, we're going to be um, and, and in what period. I guess the whole, the whole thing hinges uh, on timing how long this is going to last and then how kind the seas are going to be to us after we start to 
um, enter those periods of calmer, calmer waters. But how long that is, I think, is anybody's guess. And I was wondering, this is almost, it's a horrible opportunity, but it's a unique opportunity for hotels to go straight back down to the bare bones. As you're saying, nobody plans for 10% occupancy. And this is a real chance to look back at costs and, and what they mean. Where, where do you think you could see some costs walking the plank? Uh, well, I think um, we, uh, you're right. We see this. We saw this uh, post-2009, the global financial crisis. We saw it even before that, post-9-11. Um, and I think it's, it's intriguing how hotels seem to find innovative ways to make efficiencies. So I think, of course, what happens in a period of boom, which is, let's face it, where we've been in, in months and years previous to this in a, in a, in a period of increased trading. Um, so hotels tend to get a little bit more plump and uh, they tend to fill up their payroll and maybe have a little less regard for absolute control over the costs. What this comes back to is a much sharper focus on costs. And I think each iteration, we try to get more and more improved. Um, so I think, you know, sort of post 9-11, we had the flight. Uh, we had what was a, a cost enhancing move, which was a, a flight to the OTAs, um, but also greater sophistication in, in revenue management. So to try and build the revenue management side of things. Um, uh, GFC was all about uh, was all about cost cutting in the um, in the face of uh, downturns in revenue. Um, specifics, I think there are always specifics to find. Uh, we've heard stories now, even as people went into this period of retraining, reskilling, uh, managers saying, okay, let's all make sure that we can do pretty much everybody else's jobs uh, because you don't know what kind of a skeleton staff you're going to have to run on, purely because at that point, we didn't know how many people were going to be off sick. And I think those are the sorts of things that we're going to see going through into um, the rest of this year and into next. It's interesting that you bring up OTAs. I'd forgotten that the last big downturn was what allowed the panic of trying to sell rooms um, into the sector and the OTAs swooped in and took advantage of that. Um, do you think hotels are strong enough to stand on their own now distribution wise or will there be a panic to, to sell rooms off? Well, there's a, there's a consumer aspect to that, which, of course, is that um, they're, they're used to going to OTAs and finding their hotel, hotel deal on, online um, through looking at a panoply of, of offers and prices and so on in the destination of choice. Um, but I think now that uh, we've already seen hotel brands starting to build their loyalty programs, perhaps taking a, a different view of uh, pointing people towards brand.com. And again, the, the pressure will be on to operators from, from owners and investors to look to cost savings. The whole reason that they're really focusing on uh, benchmarking through the profit and loss now is to deliver returns to owners and, and prove their worth. And I'm, I'm bound to say they've, they've started to become very, very good at it. And I think one of those significant areas of opportunity would be in driving business direct to brand.com website as opposed to paying out the commissions to the third party intermediaries. Um, and as far as costs go, lots of mention of costs, obviously, do you think this is going to be the return to form of the budgets or do you think luxury will be left behind? Do you think maybe it'll be too much for people to be seen to be going out and staying in places that are covered in red velvet and marble? I think this has a different feel. This has a different causation than the global financial crisis, which was brought about by, let's face it, 
banker excesses in in large part you know there was somebody to blame for that one uh, this time around it's more of a natural phenomenon if you will it's not really anybody's fault um it's spread through the world at a pace which is is unprecedented so i think there's sort of a different attitude now and i think it goes back to providing value for money um uh, visible ostentatious spending fell completely out of fashion last time um provided that people have got money in their pocket then i think they'll come out of this thinking we went through a lot of hardship um now is the time to treat ourselves also to put money back into the economy and you know let's have a bigger view of this without being too self-aggrandizing while enjoying our spa treatment or or luxury retreat in the Maldives so it, it has a different feel this time around I think in those terms what I would say of course is that um, you know the new build fit for purpose hotel I think is always going to prevail in return on investment over the sort of the older stock, which is expensive to maintain, um, what I would say the mid-market full service, uh, which perhaps has less relevant in today's relevance in today's market um, and costs a lot, a lot to run. It has inbuilt inefficiencies. The buildings are, uh, are not inefficient to operate. Um, they're inefficient to heat, light. Um, and so on. So this this will probably trigger a further um, a, a further view to looking at those properties which are um, more capable of making a return on investment. We may even see some stock leaving the market or stock leaving the market at an accelerated pace. Although it's we can't blame the bankers, which obviously is a is a deep sadness. Um, we can. There's a line of thinking that suggests that we can blame ourselves um, and the way that we've been treating the planet. Um, certainly there was a lot of Greta before all this. Um, do you think that will change the way that people travel? Or do you think hotels will have to be seen to be more environmentally aware, more so perhaps than the trends that they were already on? Um, I think it, it'll continue to be a theme, of course it will. And I think um, some of the images that have come out of places like Venice, where you're seeing clear water running through the canals because of the lack of tourists will resonate and, and people will probably uh, reinforce their thinking on how much damage they're doing to the planet by travel. Um, having said that, uh, you know, travel is is pretty much viewed as a birthright now. And so the desire to explore places, people, uh, you know, saying, OK, let's move stuff up our, our bucket list. Let's get on and do stuff because you don't know what's around the corner, uh, sort of on those those personal motivation levels. So. I think there'll be a mix on the on the corporate front, um, which we haven't talked a lot about, but I'm conscious is a is a major fueler of, of demand for hotels. Um, I think that will be down to uh, really economics, uh, that when corporate travel policies start to be lifted by reference to uh, safeguarding people's health and safety and corporates feel comfortable that uh, they can allow allow people to travel, um, notwithstanding the uptick that we've seen in Zoom conferencing, all sorts of video conferencing, um, there's still nothing to replace that face to face. So we've seen the death knell sounded before of um, of, of travel for business and, and meetings and so on. Um, but there's still a need for people to congregate in, in significant numbers. Perhaps the, the internal meeting where everybody knows each other uh, may continue on the video platforms, but that desire to get out, meet, greet, do business will, will continue. 
And now for the view from the asset managers, Theodore Kubak, Head of Hospitality at Derby Area Capital and co-founder Hannah Ewan. So, um, what's the role of an asset manager when the asset is closed? Yeah, uh, I think if you talk to most of the asset managers at uh, this time, they are all in mitigation mode. Most of them are in a firefighting mode, uh, trying uh, to overcome the challenges which are really at all fronts, uh, discussing issues with the brand in case of uh, a management agreement, discussing uh, issues if they are the lender, sorry, if uh, they are if they are the, the tenant uh, with uh, their with with their owners, and uh, if they are then also. Uh, owners discussing uh, the respective issues which they have uh, with uh, the banks. So at this point in time, it's a mitigation issue rather than looking anything beyond, which is next uh, 10, 15 uh, days or a month. Right. And what should the role of the owner be in this situation, ideally? Uh, well, the, the, the owner, I think, has, depending on which kind of capital he's representing, uh, different responsibilities. If uh, you think of institutional investors where I'm coming from, uh, then uh, they are acting as custodians, custodians uh, to their uh, investors and therefore have responsibilities to protect the respective uh, investment. If uh, the owner is a PE uh, and has a management agreement uh, behind him, that it's a different role. However, in every instance, I think it is important uh, for all parties involved to have uh, some kind of uh, equal share in suffering, trying to get all the parties involved and really share share the burden. Because I think there's a there's a there's a term which is going around that we are all in this together, and uh, only <laughs> together can we overcome uh, can really overcome uh, the present uh, the present situation. Marriott, in particular, have had a difficult week this week with um, with franchising and the data breach that took place in a franchise property over which, of course, they have only limited control. It's no fault of their own, um, which I expect is, is likely to become apparent. Um, do you think after all this, there'll be more interest in the um, in the franchise taking a greater participation in the role, putting more skin in the game? Because it's to the detriment of their brand, surely, if these things happen. Uh, you're addressing a very important issue, which is the entire contract landscape, which will change entirely. Not only not only the franchise landscape, also management agreements and uh, in uh, uh, the lease agreements. Yes, there will be a more equal spread in uh, in responsibilities and uh, uh, in, uh, in, in 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 how responsibilities are being distributed amongst the various parties. Yes, I think um, after the lawyers have looked at uh, how to mitigate the present situation, there will be uh, a change in um, how to look at how to look insurances, how to look um, at, uh, at at fees, how to look at uh, uh, e reserves um, and in the terms in general. Finally, where is the role of government in all this? Does the buck stop there? Should they be bailing the sector out? What should it look like? Um, I think from what we hear across Europe, uh, yes, so the governments have put some kind of safety net, uh, not only uh, over our industry, but uh, amongst uh, the entire economy. Uh, but uh, I think um, 
uh, one needs to be very careful how to view this because the safety net is valid for three to six months or however long uh, this uh, this um, the situation might last. Then it will be interesting to see what the government is willing to do to protect um, the longevity, longevity of uh, these businesses. Absolutely, this is a long game. Cool, thank you Theo, that was great. Thank you to our hosts and contributors for creating this week's episode. Plenty to consider, absorb and reflect on. If your appetite for knowledge remains unquenched, visit our website, hospitalityinsights.com, for more content with purpose and tune in next week for another new episode of In Focus. <laughs>